Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. Opinions are split over trailers at the cinemas, what used to be called previews of coming attractions. Some quite like them, others get impatient, considering them an imposition on their time. Personally, I like them. They provide a pleasurable feeling of anticipation, sometimes more pleasurable than the eventual movie. And they're also often a far better indication of what the movie was trying to do. A trailer can cut to the chase. Quite often it's all chase and all the better for it. You stab me? We'll ruin your life the way you ruin mine. Dude, I don't even know you! Trailers also give a good idea of what's trendy this week, or at least in a few weeks. And the latest ones are quite clear about Hollywood's current thinking. It's all about stars again. We need someone to help us to find the truth. My friend was killed because of something monstrous that he had seen. This is all turning out to be a lot larger than any of us. David O. Russell's Amsterdam, for instance, boasts, as they used to say, more stars than there are in heaven. Christian Bale, Margot Robbie, Zoe Saldana, Taylor Swift, Robert De Niro, Chris Rock and many more. Now, whether this strategy works as well as it used to remains to be seen. What's up? The director can't find Baird Whitlock. Somebody slipped it under my door. We have your movie star. Gather $100,000 and await instructions. Who are we? The future. Recently, the star market seemed to have dried up a bit to be replaced by, well, other things. Brand names, certainly. Spider-Man, James Bond, Mad Max and Downton Abbey. But also celebrities and mere actors. My tailor wants to be an actor. I have a few debts here and there. Well, that seems to be everybody. Did you see Romeo? I did not. Well, out of my work, you to yours. If a star is someone with something extra, actors and celebrities are often someone with something missing. In the case of actors, the missing ingredient is usually a good script and a talented director. And fair enough, that's why a smart producer hires people like Emma Thompson. What's the oldest person you've ever done it with? 82. 82? Yeah. 82? Nancy. OK, I'm feeling a bit better now. <laughs> With celebrities, the missing ingredient is, well, it seems to be everything. These people are simply famous because one day, for no reason, they were suddenly famous. We can't work out why everyone started talking about Taylor Swift or Harry Styles, and it drives us crazy. What a pleasure to make your acquaintance, my fellow Eternals. You know, you really don't have to do the whole thing every time. Everything you do is impressive. No, I know it's impressive. Who are you? But getting back to star performers, there came a time when the studios decided they didn't need them, or at least they didn't need new ones. The old ones were still useful for older audiences. Tom Hanks, Judi Dench, Robert De Niro, Meryl Streep and the rest. But where's the next batch? 
before I was an Avenger. I made mistakes. And a lot of enemies. It's been a while since we've seen Scarlett Johansson, Jennifer Lawrence, Chris Pratt, Chris Hemsworth, any of the Chrises, in anything that wasn't a comic book movie. And as for the hot younger stars, Timothy Chalamet, Anya Taylor-Joy and Thomason McKenzie, just about all of them would be upstaged effortlessly by the 60-year-old Brad Pitt. The Red Sage, getting you out of here. Why are you so handsome? My dad was a weatherman. Hey, whoa, she doesn't oh. need saving in there. Okay. Uh, what are you doing in there? But this week sees three movies clearly built around their stars. Maigret features Gérard Depardieu in every way, the biggest French star in the world. And Ticket to Paradise wouldn't work at all without George Clooney and Julia Roberts. But first, a backstage comedy whodunit with a heavy sprinkling of stars. See how they run. You've never heard of Richard Attenborough. I understand that you came to blows tonight in question. It was me, Inspector. I arrest you for the murder of Leo Cochran. No, no, no. See How They Run is a murder mystery set backstage at a West End production of another murder mystery. Not just another one, but the most famous one in the world. It's Agatha Christie's The Mousetrap, long before its astonishing record as the longest-running play ever. The victim's name is Leo Kopernik, sir. Seems he was killed in the costume store. This is 1953, and the play is celebrating a mere 100 performances. And what better way to celebrate than with a real-life murder? The victim is a Hollywood director who was planning to make the film of The Mousetrap. And then he was deposited here. <laughs> Staged, so to speak. Somebody call the police, in this case Saoirse Ronan and Sam Rockwell. Now, I love both Saoirse and Sam. They can do no wrong generally, and they certainly don't hear exactly, even if Sam as a run-down London copper is puzzling casting. Constable? Inspector. A very capable officer. Or at least she will be once she gets the proper instruction. Sorry, sir, I'm not sure I... Uh, you, you don't mean you want me to... Yes, I do. I'd like you to show her the ropes. I'm hoping some of her enthusiasm for police work might rub off on you. Saoirse plays it in her actual Irish accent for a change and is very funny. As always in this sort of story, they work through the suspects in turn. The cast, various producers and writers, including the pompously theatrical Mervyn Cocker Norris. Or is that the idea? Gather all the suspects and interrogate each of us in turn until the mystery's solved? Mervyn Cocker Norris, overrated playwright. Celebrated. Oh, I'm so sorry, sir. I can't read my own handwriting. Again, I'm not sure the great David O'Yellowo last seen playing Martin Luther King in Selma would have been my first choice to play a sort of low-rent Noel Coward. But why not, I suppose? And wait, there's more. There was an incident. I'll kill you. It's as good as a confession. It's not jump to conclusions, Constable. Several of the characters are real people, like the producer John Wolfe, fresh from making The African Queen with Bogart and Catherine Hepburn, and the two stars of The Mousetrap, Sylvia Sim and Richard Attenborough. Richard Attenborough, Pinky Brown, Brighton Rock. You must have. 
you wanted a recording of my voice, well, here it is. What you want me to say is, I love you. Keep in mind that we're here to conduct an interview as part of a murder investigation on an article for Sight and Sound magazine, yes? Again, at the risk of being nitpicking, not to mention borderline heightist, but why pick an actor nearly 20 centimetres taller than the future Lord Dickey? Perhaps we shouldn't linger on the details. I say, a real-life detective. Scotland Yard and everything. And you are. (laughs) This is... Constable Stalker. It's the star performances we're here for. Saoirse Ronan is the energetic constable stalker, every over-enthusiastic Agatha Christie sidekick rolled into one, while Sam Rockwell plays a burnt-out detective with an oh-what-a-giveaway name, Inspector Stoppard. What do we have here? <laughs> Working late, huh? He killed Kaepernick to hush up the affair. Case closed. I'm doing it again, aren't you, sir? Jumping to conclusions. Okay. Yeah. Okay. If you're remotely familiar with the works of England's firecracker playwright Tom Stoppard, particularly his own Agatha Christie spoof, The Real Inspector Hound, you'll know what See How They Run is aiming at. A loving pastiche of the period, blended with a certain sort of English play, the Hollywood variation to jazz it up, combined with a real-life murder mystery. Our esteemed director tore up the screenplay and told me to start all over again. He's of the opinion that a modern audience will walk out in protest if they're not served at least one violent death in the opening frames. Suffice to say, we are no longer on speaking terms. Well, there's certainly fun to be had in spotting the references. Agatha Christie references, Tom Stoppard references, Richard Attenborough references. The most elaborate one explains Constable Stalker's presence here because the rest of the CID is tied up on the real-life Rillington Place murder later to be a movie starring Richard Attenborough, playing a murderer called Christie. Had enough? We have a serial killer on the loose. Please, stand back! He keeps the key! Ah! Under the mat. Much as I love the cast, including another favourite playing Agatha Christie herself, See How They Run is nowhere near as clever as you'd like it to be. Writer Mark Chappell and director Tom George are having a lovely time, but they're not exactly Tom Stoppard, or even Agatha Christie for that matter. We are no longer merely suspects. We are also potential victims. Saoirse Ronan is the best thing in it, as usual, in her first full-on comedy role. Sam Rockwell is less comfortably cast, but he's clearly a good sport about it all. His accent is good enough, and he keeps an admirably straight face, given some pretty average material. So what did he do that made you suspicious? It wasn't so much what he did, it was more the way he did it. How did he do it? Sort of... Suspiciously. Right. See How They Run is really an old-fashioned TV sketch, jam-packed with celebrity guests and enjoyable at that level. And it's a relief to see something like this come in at a reasonable hour and a half. Others could take notice. Tell me, did you write everything down in that little notebook? Only if it's important, sir. How do you know if it's important? Well, I'll just sort of put everything in as we go and then down the line when we know what's important we'll know that it's already in the notebook so you do write everything down yeah everything
I'm not sure how I've managed to miss Maigret, Georges Simenon's famous detective, over the years. It's a pretty astonishing achievement, all things considered. Aside from the many novels and plenty of homegrown French movies, Maigret has been the subject of at least three long-running British TV series. Before Rowan Atkinson and Michael Gambon took over the famous pipe and raincoat, there was the rumpled Rupert Davis with his phlegmatic Kiwi sidekick Ewan Solon as Luca. Well, I was given the chance to catch up finally with a new film simply called Maigret and starring Gérard Depardieu. La victime non identifiée, le sexe féminin. Unlike the Brits, who seem to prefer their great detectives to be eccentric, flamboyant and freelance, Maigret is a middle-aged, middle-class, unsmiling member of the Paris police force. He's investigating the murder of a young woman in mysterious circumstances. Qui est chargé de l'enquête the French refer to their crime stories not so much as whodunits or even murder mysteries, but as policiers or procedurals. Not for Maigret, the brilliant inspiration or clues no one else spotted. It's all police work and he trudges from one bit of evidence to the next. Quelqu'un a voulu faire disparaître cette jeune fille inconnue, mais elle a forcément laissé des traces là, quelque part. Also, unlike Poirot or Sherlock Holmes, Maigret has allowed a home life. The placid Madame Maigret seems as bourgeois as her husband. But this doesn't mean stupid. She's patient and supportive, but not afraid to ask questions. And she doesn't take it personally if he won't or can't answer them. J'ai entendu une auto-s'arrêter. Concentre-toi sur les chauffeurs de taxi, surtout ceux qui font la nuit. C'est pour la fille morte que vous faites tout ça the murdered girl has to be identified, and that means finding out why so many of her details have been covered up. And asking questions is Maigret's specialty. How do you get a suspect to talk, asks a nervous potential suspect. I just listen, says Maigret, and already we know he's several steps ahead of his potential prey. Comment vous faites pour qu'il parle vos suspects? Rien. Je les écoute. As Maigret's questions start to be answered, he's led into the world of the idle and often corrupt rich. These are the haves, and it's clear the dead woman was one of the have-nots. So what was the connection? Her name was Louise, says her flatmate who claims to know nothing. Why do you say was, asks Maigret, as the witness's story begins to fall apart at the seams. <laughs> Well, it's been a while since we've seen Gérard Depardieu on our screen here, though he's been busy in France despite a string of recent scandals. He's still a Russian citizen, I believe, after falling out with the French tax department. Clearly not the sort of thing Maigret would do. Il faut se protéger, ne pas être insensible. Quand on perd son enfant, on perd tout. Il n'y a plus rien. Vous savez Je sais, je sais, monsieur Kaplan.
At the heart of this Maigret is the detective's empathy with the dead girl. And say what you like about Depardieu, he's still brilliant in this sort of role and under the direction of another great filmmaker, veteran director Patrice Leconte, he shows why Maigret is so well-loved in France. Film gris rather than film noir, perhaps. Grey, overcast, step-by-step, coming to the right conclusion. It's been a while since we've seen George Clooney on the big screen. He pops up occasionally at celebrity events and in coffee commercials, but that's about it. His friend and frequent co-star Julia Roberts has done some TV this year, but not much else until now. It's a frothy rom-com called Ticket to Paradise. I'm sorry. I think your things are in my seat. Sorry. Oh, come on. You've got to be kidding me. Excuse me, ma'am. I need to sit somewhere else. We used to be married. Worst 19 years of my life. We were only married for five. I'm counting the recovery. Frothy rom-coms featuring middle-aged stars may be rare in the States, but they're a lot more common in the UK. I think of films like The Best Exotic Marigold Hotel and Mamma Mia, both written and directed by Old Parker. Parker also made Ticket to Paradise, in which George and Julia play the divorced parents of Lily. Lily's run off to Bali and fallen in love with a local seaweed farmer called G'day. In four days' time... Our daughter's going to marry a guy she just met in Bali, millions of miles from home. I just really want to kiss you. It's like I looked up for the first time and realised everything I ever wanted was right in front of me. Mum and Dad are incensed. The only thing they can agree on is that they have to stop this. So, between bickering, they decide that, by hook or by crook, they'll prize Lily out of the clutches of that darn seaweed farmer. She's throwing her career away. Just like her mother did. So I'm the only one who can stop her. She doesn't listen to him. Champagne! Oh, two, please. Just leave the bottle. Thank you. This not being a Ken Loach class war rom-com, it should be pointed out that G'day isn't your average seaweed farmer. Turns out seaweed is a growth industry in Indonesia, and he and his family are, in fact, crazy rich seaweed farmers. So, what's the problem? We need to trick her into dumping him. As much as this will pain us both, we have to call a truce to make this work. Just be in lockstep. Hey! Did you make a pact to not murder each other until you murder me first? We are here for you, my love. Yes, we're in lockstep. Yes. Well, that phrase, what's the problem, is at the heart of every rom-com ever made, of course. Boy meets girl is easy, but you've got to keep them apart if you don't want the movie to be over in five minutes. There have to be problems. And, of course, we're not talking about Lillian G'day here. Who are the stars of Ticket to Paradise? Promise. No mean comments. Pretty sure you don't win anything for eating the whole pig. No arguing. Get up. Get up. No passive aggression. What about aggressive aggression? Try to keep the snoring down. I have a nasal strip. It's a mystery. You're still alone. We know from the start it's going to be about George and Julia. And the standard rom-com problem like this is the couple think they hate each other. We, the audience, fall in love with them instantly, but they take, well, as long as a movie to finally realise they were meant for each other. We were crazy fools, kiss, fade to black. Which is what Ticket to Paradise thinks it's doing. 
Are you sure they're not sharks? Come on, don't be a chicken. We might be working with the sharks. Come on. Ah! Can't believe I got bit by a dolphin. When What's I do wrong that? with you? He said pressure. That's he said not torture. Ah! These characters may be played by George Clooney and Julia Roberts, but otherwise they're rather hard to love. He's a bit of a jerk, all passive aggression and no friends. She's almost worse, a control freak businesswoman with a younger boyfriend she bullies incessantly. So what's the plan? I say we steal the rings. How do they look? Disappointed. If this were, say, a Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers movie, they'd be the sarcastic neighbours, sniping at each other amusingly in the background. In the front, the more attractive characters, the sort you'd expect Julia and George to play, go through some merry mix-ups until they finally see sense at the end. Do you think we're wrong? We're not wrong. Who are we to say that Lily doesn't know what's best for herself? I cannot believe you. What are you talking about? She found the rings. Where? In Mom's bag. I knew it. What? But no, we have to watch George and Julia tie themselves in knots trying to scupper the young folks. Hardly an endearing storyline before they come to the sort of happy ending. That's right, they couldn't even get that right. On the plus side, George and Julia are old pros and turn up the charm to disguise the story's failings. You clean up pretty good. Here you go. It's not for the faint of heart. This is not his first rodeo. Okay, let's go, let's go. Can we get something a little more age-appropriate for these two? The trouble is that rom-coms have fallen out of fashion, so people have rather forgotten how to do them. So what should be playful and lighter than air is now hard work and heavy going. However, there's still clearly an untapped demand, hence the success of the various Mamma Mia's, Marigold Hotels and, for all I know, Ticket to Paradise. Oh, no, no. Dad, please stop doing that. Oh, my God. I'm praying for an asteroid. One thing I did like was the casting of Caitlin Deaver as Lily. After brilliantly tragic performances in two TV series, Unbelievable and Dope Sack, it was so nice to see her well-dressed, well-fed and happy for a change. Mom, Dad, this is G'day. I'm supposed to ask you G'day. You learned that to make me look bad. You don't need my help there. If there were any justice and Hollywood was still in the star-making business, someone as versatile, talented and endearing as Caitlin would be at the top of their to-do list. Sadly, when it comes to stardom, justice rarely comes into it. But it won't stop me crossing my fingers anyway. I'm Simon Morris and I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week.